Love that movie. That, that's, that's a good scene in the movie. If you guys have never seen the movie Hoosiers, it's a, it's a really just a, it's a true story, small school Indiana that, that, that knocks off the, the big school, the, the champions uh, back in the 50s. And as you've never seen, it's just, it's just a great movie. And, and, and I like uh, the, the verse there about David and, and Goliath, because I think that's how they, they, how they felt. Um, and and I, I know, are you like me? Do, do you like those kind of true movies? You've got the underdog and, and then they just they just make it big because it's just all of us kind of feel that way sometimes. You just feel overwhelmed like, man, is there anyone out there that just can do it and overcome the odds of something that just seems impossible? And so the movie Hoosiers does that. I love that movie. Uh, I like the movie Rudy. Uh, if you guys have seen the movie Rudy where walk-on football player comes and, and wants to be part of the Notre Dame football, he just just breathes and loves Notre Dame and just wants to be part of it just so hard. And he plays on the practice squad and just gets beat up, beat up. And he has that one opportunity just to say that he, he, he wasn't officially recognized as a Notre Dame player unless he actually plays in one game. And so he tries and he tries and he tries. And the one coach says, yeah, I'll put you in. But then he ends up leaving. The next coach comes, doesn't know who he is. And if you've never seen the movie, I'm ready to give it away at this point. But anyways, hopefully you've seen it. Um, and he finally gets to, to play in one game and be that official uh, Notre Dame, and he's, he's carried off the field, one of the only few players ever be carried off the field. And so that, that's a cool movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Invincible uh, about Vince Papali. Um, he was a, a 30-year-old walk-on player to the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia won the Super Bowl last year. Anyways, we won't talk about that. Uh, being in Bill's country. But this guy walks on and makes the team. And it's just, once again, incredible movie, overcoming these huge odds to be part of a team and be part of, of the NFL. And, and this is what we're going to be looking at today in, in the stories. We've been going through the life of David. We're going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath. I mean, I mean, we know the story, right? I mean, that's a story, even if you haven't been brought up in church, you've heard some, something about David and Goliath. And this is probably one of my favorite stories growing up as a kid. Like, hey, you know, read the story about David and Goliath. And we talked about David and Goliath in Sunday school. Th- those are the stories you love to hear. This little David taking down this huge giant of a man and showing the, the power of God. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the life of David th- this summer. And, 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 and looking at the life of David, it's really incredible because the Apostle Paul writes about David in the book of Acts. And he says that David was a man after God's own heart. That he was a man that was after the heart of God. And then, but when you, Paul looking back, knew the story of David. And what's incredible about the st- story of David is that he made so many mistakes I mean, he was an adulterer, he had a man killed, he wasn't a great father. I mean, he had all these things, but yet there was something about David that caused him to be this man that actually chased after God's own heart, even with all the mistakes that he made in his life. And there was two things that David did that I believe caused him to be a man after God's own heart. And the two things weren't that he did everything perfect in his life. That, that, that's not what made him a man after God's heart. It wasn't, it wasn't because he was perfect and made all the right decisions in his life. What made him a man after God's own heart was this. He knew how to forgive and he understood what repentance was. 
There wasn't a time that you, wouldn't, that you wouldn't see or you wouldn't read that when David was confronted with this sin that he didn't own up to it. That David didn't realize that his sin was against God and God alone. And, and, and we can see in the heart of David the way he forgave those, even his enemies. And we're going to dig more into that. Listen, if you want to be a person who chases after God's heart, you've got to be a person that knows how to forgive. If you want to be a person that chases after the heart of God, we have to know what it means about repentance and owning up to the things that we've done wrong. It's not that God wants to beat us up all the time and just keeps it, keep kicking us in the dirt. When I recognize that I've fallen short of God and I've made mistakes, that's when God's grace and mercy flows into our lives. That's where forgiveness and healing comes in. And that's what David discovered in his life, even with all his mistakes. And that's what we're digging in with the life of David. And so if you want to be, listen, I think people of Christianity mixed up. I think what we think about Christians is, well, you got to be, you got to do all the right things. You got to check off the right boxes. And so as Christians, I think sometimes we're so fearful of allowing people to see our flaws because we don't want to get judged. Don't, don't judge me. But I think just the opposite is true. When we're able to see the flaws in our lives and the mistakes that we've made in our lives and that we need God's grace, that's the heart of God. That shows a heart of humility that we need the Lord. It's not trying to be the one who could show off the most and to say, look how spiritual I am just to show people that look what kind of person I am or look what type of Christian I am. I don't know about you, but I love to hear the story about people's failures. When I hear about everybody's successes all the time, all the time, it's like, man, I can never measure up to that. But when you hear about people that actually were a failure, I was listening to somebody with Roger, Roger Federer, one of the best, greatest tennis players that have ever played the game. And I heard a story about Roger Federer. The first tennis match he ever played, he lost 6-0, 6-0. And he's the greatest player that ever played. But he didn't give up, right? And I love hearing those stories because it makes you feel like, wow, you know, that person, you know, didn't have it right off the bat, didn't have the success right off the bat either. And so that's what we're looking at in the heart of David, that David was a man that chased after, chased after God's heart because he, he understood forgiveness and he understood repentance. And so today what I want to look at is this epic battle between David and this giant Goliath from the Philistines. And I want to look at this, and I'm going to look at it probably in a different way than you've ever looked at it before. I want to look at it in a different lens, because I think what the mistake we tend to make is we try to put ourselves into this story. Can I just say this? This story has nothing to do with you. Let me just say that right after that. And I think the problem is we try to look at the Bible like this is all about me, and i got to put... It, it really has nothing to do with you. And so I'm hoping this will be a refreshing look for you at this story and that it will help some of you to set you free from some of the fears that you're facing in your life today and some of the things that you feel overwhelmed with. And this is what the story is all about. It's not you fighting the battle yourself. It's not you picking yourself up by the bootstrap and say, I've got to be better at this. I've got to do better at this. Because how many know that we will be a failure if we do that? And so it's all about how can we know God and know him in a great way? And so what I want you to do is you've got your Bibles. Take out your Bibles and look at 1 Samuel 17. 
So take out your Bibles. If you've got your Bibles, you can look up at the screen here. And I'm going to look at 1 Samuel 17. And I'm going to look at verses 40 through 49. And so let's dig into this story about David and Goliath. And let's see what's going on here. Many of us are very familiar with this. But let's see what's going on here. And I want to start with verse 40. And then we'll read some passages. And then we'll kind of jump around in chapter 17. So 1 Samuel 17. And let's look at verse 40 to start off with. And so here, here's, here's the, here's the, let me give you a little bit of the scenario. Here's the scenario. We've got the Philistines, they're lined up with Israel and they're in the, these battle lines. And what you have is you've got Goliath who stands on one side, Israel who stands on the, on the other. And day after day after day, nobody is wanting to go out and fight this huge giant Goliath. So you've got this standstill because no one in Israel wants to do it because they're fearful because Goliath is their champion. And so he's out there and he's intimidating them and he's trash talking and he's cursing their God and they're all fearful. And so David is, is back at home with his, with his father and his dad, his dad says to David, hey, David, you know, David's just a kid. And he says, hey, David, why don't you go out and see what's going on in the battle? So what I want you to do is I want you to bring some bread, some toasted grain, and some cheese. So why don't you bring the guys some grilled cheese sandwiches and see how they're doing. So, so here's David. So this is the scene. So David goes there and he sees what's going on. And David says, no one's standing up against this man. And so here's the story. Let, let's catch up with what it says here. So David sees this. And so David, you know, it says, I'm going to fight this guy. And then Saul, the king of the time, says, well, let me give you all my armor. And it doesn't fit. And David says, forget all that. Let me just give me some stones and I'll take the guy down. So here's what verse 40 says. He says, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and then put, put in the pouch of the shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistines. Meanwhile, the Philistines... Uh, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. And he looked at David over and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. David said to the Philistine, you, now here's the key, David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will hand you over to me. You will will be handed over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head today. I will give the, the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those who gather here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Boom. Goliath is dead. David goes, cuts his head off, and the victory was Israel's. And they began to pursue the Philistine army. So 
what, what do we see here? Well, David is, is kind of like this Old Testament Rocky Balboa, right? He's this Old Testament Rocky Balboa, the huge underdog who had this personal courage to, to, to go against this insurmountable odds that were against him, who, who stands against this, this cocky, overconfident blowhard who thinks much of himself, who has all the advantages, the strength, the size, the equipment. He was uh, the first-round draft pick of the Philistine uh, NBA. I mean, this guy, this guy had it all. He was the champion. Then you have, you have David is this small teen with acne, and you know he, he's really a nobody who just kind of comes there to bring food. He's got grilled cheese sandwich all over his mouth, and he's, he comes to Israel, and he says, Hey, guys, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Well, David, it's not, not so good. Goliath is really trash-talking today. and 40 days of trash-talking and, and mocking God. And so here's the scene. Let, let me give you the scene here. The scene is Goliath, most scholars believe, is about 9 feet, 9 inches tall. Um, he has as much as 125 to 200 pounds of armor on. Um, the tip of the spear alone could have weighed as much as 15 to 25 pounds. David has nothing. He, he's got a staff. He's got a pouch. He's got some stones. That's it. it, it not, only, not only that, but Goliath had this shield bearer and, and who would walk before him. The shield is one of the largest shields used for battle. It was basically the size of a full-grown man. And with all of Goliath's armor, he has the double protection he has a shield bearer in front of him. You can see that Goliath is confident. He's never been beaten. And, this, and thus, no one from Israel wants to fight him. And then you've got David, who's this teen, no armor, a slingshot, five stones from a creek with grilled cheese sandwich on his mouth. There's the scene, right? Now, if you're a betting person, right? The odds there in Las Vegas were definitely on Goliath, right? I mean, you, 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 it just, it's, not, it's not fair. You think this is not a fair fight. See, in the story of David and Goliath, is it really about the underdog taking down the overconfident, uncircumcised Philistine? Is that really what the story is about? Is, is, it, is it about overcoming our giants in our life? And if we just have enough confidence and faith, we can do anything. Is, is, that, is that what it's about? Is it a moral story, uh, just simply facing your giants and you will win if you have the courage? See, David definitely had courage. But what was behind his courage? He had courage, but what was behind his courage? And I think there's a lot more going on here than just what we see at face value. I think there's a lot more than simply facing down our giants and overcoming the impossible. And before we jump into uh, what's behind David's confidence, let let me show you what's going on in the Israelite camp. Let me show you the fear that has gripped their heart because of Goliath. You see, Goliath stood before the army of Israel and said, I will take anyone on -on one-on-one. I want you to see something here. Goliath represented the Philistines. He was the head of the Philistines. He said, listen, I will take anyone one-on-one. You beat me, you beat the army. I'm the guy. I'm the man. I want you to catch this. This is is where you might miss something in the story if you're not seeing here. We, we, We need... We don't need to get the whole army involved. 
Goliath stood as this Philistine head. And if we win, we all win. If Goliath loses, then, then the Philistines will lose also. So is it simply a story of being courageous and taking on your giants face on, square on? Something deeper is going on here. Remember, Goliath is mocking God and stands opposed to the people of God. And when David hears Goliath mocking God, he is offended. He says, wait a minute, this shouldn't be. You're mocking God. And so David is offended by this. And Israel is thinking that Goliath is actually bigger than their God. Do you see what's going on here? This isn't, I want you to see something. This isn't just a physical thing. See, the Israelites got caught in the physical. They got caught in the physical with this giant. But see, David, being anointed by God, saw something greater going on. And it was the spiritual. Goliath represented the enemy as a whole. I want to get, let me get, can I get a little deeper here? This is where I don't think any of you have ever caught this. I I was reading a commentary on this by Tim Chester, and I thought this was just brilliant. And I think it brings out the spiritual side of this story. So when David hears the mocking of God, he is offended. So Israel is thinking that Goliath is bigger than their God, but David doesn't have this thought. In fact, the apostle Paul kind of brings this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. He says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Who is the obstacle that is keeping Israel from knowing God? It was Goliath. It was what he represented. In fact, David said, not only will all know that the God of Israel is the God of Israel, but Israel will know that the God of Israel is the God of Israel. You need to know the God you serve is the God who is sovereign, who is over everything. I think we forget that sometimes. That our God is big. That our God is sovereign. That we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what David does is David understands that this is a spiritual battle. He understands this is a spiritual battle. Now what's interesting is the detail that the author gives in describing the armor of Goliath. What's interesting here in verse 45, listen to how he describes the armor of Goliath. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the almighty God, the armies of Israel, whom you defiled. Okay. Now look at verse five. Here's what Goliath comes with. He comes with all this armor. Verse five said he had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armor, bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. And it just goes into detail all the things that Goliath wore. Now, it's interesting that they call his armor scaled armor. What else has scales? Fish? Snakes. I love snakes. 
I just love them. Not real. I'm just totally lying to you right now. I hate snakes. I'm scared of snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't want to be near snakes. Why did God create snakes? I have no idea, but I don't like snakes. Some of you are snake lovers and you're just strange. No, I'm just teasing. You're okay. You're all okay. Okay. So here's the thing. The writer goes into great detail about Goliath's armor. So what is Goliath? Basically what Goliath is, he's a snake. He's a snake. He's the enemy. Spiritually, he's standing between God's people and their victory, and he's bringing fear into their heart. He is the snake. See, that's why the writer goes into such great detail about Goliath's armor. See, Goliath is the snake. It was a snake in the garden that led Adam and Eve astray. It was a snake that Jesus encountered and overcame in the wilderness for 40 days. See, David enters the battle anointed by God and empowered by his spirit. There's the difference. Let me just, can I just be honest with you? We go into battle with the wrong armor. See, when you're faced with challenges in your life, I think the problem is, we're thinking of it differently. See, the problem is we automatically go to the physical. How can I fight this in the physical? And we get frustrated. Where God says to us, maybe there's something that's going on behind the scenes that you don't see. That we need to be fighting this thing through prayer and petition before God. And we need to run to the right person. See, that's why this story isn't about you. The story is ultimately about Jesus. And I want to get us there. I mean, don't get there too fast, but let me, let me get us there. Because this, I believe, is going to help many of you overcome these fears in your life that you're struggling with. So what David does is he enters the battle anointed by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the story isn't about us. It's a foreshadowing of what Christ ultimately did for us. Jesus would go into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us, to take on the snake. Look at what Luke 4, 1 and 2 says when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted. It says, then Jesus, full of what? The Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the snake for 40 days. The devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing and all that time he became very hungry. What a picture of what Christ did to us. What Jesus does is Jesus went into the battle disarming the power of the enemy that was over us. In Christ, we all win. Are, are you connecting it now? It's not about you. This is about Jesus. Let's get us out of here. Let's just get, get you out of the story here that I got to be David and I got to slew the giant. No! He will beat you up every time. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. This story is a foreshadow of what Christ ultimately did for us. David was anointed by God. David couldn't defeat him in his own strength. Are you kidding me? It was God's power that slewed the giant that took him out of the way. So if, if that's not any better, let's get, can we get a little deeper today? Let's get a little deeper because I've been away for two weeks. I'm ready to preach, all right? So just hold on. Buckle your seatbelts here. So this is a picture of what Christ did for us. So what Christ does here, he went to battle for us, disarming, disarming the power of the enemy. And so in Christ, we all win. win. So what Jesus does here for us is he goes into the ring. 
into the battle for us to defeat our biggest enemy, which was sin. So what we see here is, is Goliath blasphemed God. That, that's the spiritual side. He's, he's, he's saying, your God is no good. Your God can't win. So he's blaspheming God. So what's the point of the story? It's not us fighting our battles. It's us going to the one who fights for us. That's the point of the story. That's what I want you to, to grip here. here. Here's how Goliath is, is described. Verse 4 in chapter 17. This is good. And I hope if some of you have already caught this, you're smarter than I am. But in my studies, I found this, and this was so, I was like in my desk, and I was like, man, this is so good. And Catherine's like, what is going on? And you're, I'm just having my own revival in my office. I'm like, this is good. I've never seen this before. You ever find something in God's word, and you're like, I just had a V8. This was great. I never saw this before, right? And so I never saw this before. And in my studies, this came out. I'm like, this is so good. So it's good for me. Hopefully, it's good for you. Okay, so let's look here. Let's look at verse 4. So in, verse, in chapter 17, this is how... Goliath is described. It says, a champion named Goliath who was from Gath. He is described as a champion. The word champion literally means this. The man of the between. That's what that word literally means. It means the man of the between. It's a person who steps out and fights between the battle lines. So the reason why he was called the champion is because he was the man in between. He stood between the Philistines, the enemy, and between God's people. He stood out there, and they called him a champion because he's the one that stood out there to fight. So here's the thing I want you to see. Goliath stands between the Philistines, the enemy of God's people. And so here you have this great barrier. Goliath now becomes the barrier. He becomes the person who is in between what's going on in the the true heart of Israel. Because what's going on here? What's really going on in the heart of Israel is fear. They were fearful of Goliath, the man who stood in between. He was the enemy. He was the snake. David, on the other hand, anointed by God's power, saw beyond Goliath and saw the fear that he brought to the camp that this shouldn't be, this thing should not stand in our way. God has given us the victory through him. Listen, so many of you here today, you're allowing this thing to control your life. When God says, I've already given you the victory. I've already given it to you. I want you to see how the attitude of the Israelites changed. Something spiritually changed in their hearts when David defeated this huge giant. So here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. David, what he does is he now becomes the champion. He stands. He now becomes the man in the middle. And he says, I'll take him on. And not only did he took him on, he took him out. And so now David now becomes the champion. All eyes are on him. And this is a perfect picture of what Christ ultimately did for us. He was our man between. 
He stood between us and judgment, between us and eternal death. He faced the fury of sin and death and conquered it for us. Jesus literally became our champion. It's through Christ that you become a champion. It's through him that you win every fight, every battle, every fear that you have. It's through Jesus. If we don't see this, this fear will overcome us every single time. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. He becomes our champion. It's through him. It's not about you trying to overcome it yourself. You will blow it every time. You'll blow it every time. And so what Jesus does is he becomes our champion. And, and, and after that, David, what he does is, is, he, is he, he cuts Goliath's head off. And the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. And, and, and this, is, this is what happens in verse 51. After they, they see this, it says, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. And then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. So what happens here? What did the Israelites do? Well, after uh, David stood over him, they saw that their champion was dead. And what did they do? Well, the Philistines got the heck out of there. They said, okay, we're gone. And so they began to run in fear because their trust was in the physical and it didn't work out for them. When Goliath was slewed, when he was killed, what did the Israelites do? They chased the Philistines. The enemy was defeated. And what happens now? A way was made open for them to now run in victory. See, the reason why this is a spiritual st story and it's not about us is for this reason. If I see myself in that story, I'm going to be defeated all the time because I'm going to make mistakes all the time. See, we can't fight the battle ourselves. Goliath wasn't the last giant for David. I hope you'd realize that. If you read further in the story... David had other giants that he would have to fight. In fact, in 2 Samuel 21, it talks about a dude that had six fingers and six toes, 24 in all. He was the ultimate fighter, man. He had all these fingers going on, right? Um, and that wasn't his, that, do you see what I'm saying? So you have to realize that our battle is not won by me. It, it, it's won in Christ when I put my trust in him. So Jesus has won the victory for us and so the question we need to ask ourselves is how are we living our lives? How are we living our lives? Are we living our lives like fearful Israel? Is, is that how we're living our lives? Like fearful Israel? And we're allowing this thing in front of us to dictate the way we live our lives? Are we living, are, are we living our lives in this overcoming victory that we have in Christ Jesus? How do we look at our sin do, do we think like, I, I can't overcome this thing? Do we allow our fears to become greater than God himself? See, God wants us to be like the Israelites that actually chased the enemy. That we're putting our trust in the person who actually stood in the battle for us. Jesus who stood 
between the lines for us. It's about him. It's about his victory. It's about him overcoming for you and I. So listen. So you say, well, pastor, make it practical for me. It's just as we, we, we just wind this thing down. Pastor, how do, how, how do I, I have a lot of fears. I have a lot of things that keep me up at night and future job. You know, how do I not allow this thing, pastor, to, to dictate the way I'm living my life, that I walk in this fear, and then I drive myself crazy trying to figure out all the different scenarios that have to happen, have to occur for this to happen, where I'm just fear and worry begin to grip my heart, and anxiety begins to grip my heart. How do I, how do I live in that victory? He, he, let me just say this. Don't do it yourself. Just don't do it yourself. And realize that your hope is in the one who's done it for you. So what I would tell you is this. I would tell you to run to Christ. Run to him. The, the Bible says this, that we can literally cast all our cares and anxiety at his feet because he cares for us. It never says that we're never going to have cares or anxieties. David had to fight the giant. That wasn't the last giant. David had to fight other giants. But his hope and his strength came from the God who won the victory for him. David still had to fight. And we're going to still have to fight, but our fight is in the Lord. Our fight is in the strength that God gives us, knowing that the ultimate hope we have is in Christ, who's already overcome for us. Christ has opened the way for us. The enemy is already defeated. Do you realize that? He's, he's a toothless lion. Yeah, he's wrong. Yeah, he can, he can mess us up. Yeah, he can try to distract us. But our hope is in Christ, who's already opened the way for us. So where are you living today? Are you living in that fear? What side of the battle line are you on? Are you over here saying, eh, that's just too big, that sin's too big? Are you stepping up and putting your trust and hope in Christ who's overcome it for you? I would tell you today, run to Jesus. Run to him. And lay all those things at his feet today. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you and he loves you today. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're just, I want to pray for you today. And we're, we're going we're gonna to sing a closing song today. And I want, I want you just to respond to the Lord. If you want to come up front and just pray at the front at the altar, say, and lay whatever thing, burden you're going through today, do that. If you just want to, as we sing and stand, just give whatever thing you're going through to the Lord. Do that. But just run to him today because he's a good, good father and he cares for you today. Amen. So would you stand with me today and let's pray. And as we sing this song in closing today, you respond however you want to respond today and just let it be a time between you and the Lord and just run to Christ today. So Lord, we just, we just come before you today. Lord, we just we need your help today. We need to run to you today. We know that the enemy's there. We know he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But Jesus, you, you've defeated, you've disarmed him. In Christ, there is 
no more power over us from the enemy. Yes, there are things in our lives that can easily distract us, but Lord, help us to run to you, Jesus. Let our confidence and our hope be in you and you alone. So I pray for anyone here today that's just struggling with fear or some habitual sin in their life that is just that has locked them in, Lord. I just pray that they would find their hope and their strength and their healing in you and you alone, Jesus. You did it all for us. You became our champion. And so we run to you and we ask for your help and we thank you that you're the one that's defeated and dismantled the works of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, that your power is greater, that your love is greater, that your strength is greater. Help us not to put our trust in the things of this world. May our trust be in you and you alone. God, I pray for your presence over our lives. We need your presence like David had your presence. Like Jesus was full of your Holy Spirit. We need, that's the strength that we gain. We need the fullness of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So I just pray that you would fill us anew and afresh here today. Give us your strength, God. Thank you for overcoming for us. We put our hope in you and you alone. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name.